Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. On Commons People this week, Boris Johnson gets his day in court. If it were to be the case that the government had misled the Queen about the reasons for suspending Parliament and the motives for it, that would be a very serious matter indeed. But can he squeeze through a Brexit deal? We're trying to get a deal. I'm very hopeful that we will get a deal with our European friends. And will Labour ever stop fighting? It's Tom's view. I don't accept it and I don't agree with it. Our priority is to get a general election in order to give the people a chance to elect a government that cares for them, not themselves. Hello and welcome to Commons People. I'm Arj Singh and I'm glad to announce the return of Paul Waugh to the Hello. podcast. Hi it's Paul. Like I've been away forever. Only one week. He's only missed one week. And also joining me is the Labour former Cabinet Minister, Lord Charlie Faulkner. Hello. Hi Charlie, how are you? Very well, how are you? Very well, thanks. I'm very glad to be here. Good, good. And we've also got the Tory former Special Advisor to Sajid Javid, Salma Shah. Hello. Let's crack on. Well, Boris Johnson has this morning been forced to deny lying to the Queen a denial which will be tested on Tuesday when the Supreme Court decides whether his decision to shut down Parliament was lawful. And on another terrible day for the PM, the government was yesterday forced to release the Operation Yellowhammer report, which shows the government expects food, medicine and fuel shortages, riots and disease outbreaks if there is a no-deal Brexit. Let's listen to Johnson's response to Scottish judges ruling that his suspension of Parliament was unlawful. Did you lie to the Queen when you advised her to prorogue to suspend Parliament? Absolutely not. And uh, that, and indeed, the, as, I, as I say, the, the High Court in, in England plainly agrees with us, but the Supreme Court will have to decide. Paul, how serious is the crisis getting for the PM? Well, to be honest, um, on the face of it, obviously it looks incredibly serious. You've got this huge constitutional issue. Did he, did he, did he or did he not lie to the Queen? Uh, which is the way most people will sort of, most punters out there will think, well, yeah, if, if he did, that's not quite on, is it? But, and there's a big but, the Supreme Court next week, I personally think, will probably rule in the government's favour. I mean, we can disagree about that. But um, it looks from what the High Court in England was saying that actually they said, look, you know, we should really stay out of politics. We've never had bothered interfering in prorogations before. There's lots of precedent, blah. So I personally think that that won't be too bad for him next week. He'll be he'll ride that out. The interesting thing, though, for people like Kwasi Kwarteng, who've been attacking the judges, is are they going to then praise the Supreme Court judges and say, wow, they're amazing. Um, they're, they're not to be hated after all. Um, because what we saw overnight was in, the, in, in Scotland, one of the front pages of the Scottish newspaper there, described those three Scottish judges as heroes of the people, not enemies of the people. Now, I'm sure those judges actually equally loathe being called heroes as much as they do being called enemies. They I think they'd probably prefer to be called heroes. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> on balance. On yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think that the whole point of that is that it shows that it's really about politics. It's not about the law, ultimately. And whether there's any political damage to, to Boris Johnson, that's the big question. I suspect the real damage is done amongst Tory moderates. And, and what impact will that have if they see like that this is a government out of control, it's Trumpian? 
it will further undermine their view of Boris Johnson. How will they then vote in those Labour Tory marginals? And I think that's really, really interesting. Do they, they go off to the Lib Dems, reduce the Tory vote and let Labour in? Or are they so worried about Jeremy Corbyn that they think they bite their tongue and say, oh, let's, let's just stick with the Tories? And, and that, to me, is the only political impact of this. It's on Tory moderates. Interesting. Salma, what do you make of that? I, I actually um, agree with that completely, which Aww. is very boring for the podcast. <laughs> um, but the impact is on how much they seed that core Tory vote. And we saw that in 2017. So we are having a bit of a rerun of the of the same strategy that we had in 2017. And what we failed to recognise is that our vote could soften. And it did with the launch of a manifesto campaign. Now, from the outset, before we are looking at a potential snap general election, either this year or in the spring, before that's even taken place, we've got all the all these issues about trust in Boris Johnson, about whether he lied to the Queen, which will be which we outed, whether he is going to get a Brexit deal, whether he's still going to try and push for no deal. So before anything has even happened in normal campaign terms, you've already got this real mess of where traditional voters actually go. Yeah, and that's even without him dropping the ball during an election campaign, which he might do. You know, there could be something in the oh, election campaign that could just blow up. That's an inevitability. Um, and an he, inevitability. Could have, he could have... An, in, in every election campaign, something will go wrong that you have not anticipated. And I think lots of people don't understand that really good seasoned campaigners... Um, understand the rhythm of a general election campaign. They understand the rhythm of any election campaign. They know when they have certain crunch points coming up. They know how they need to plan for it to get that right. They know where their weak spots are and where the opposition might go for them. But they also know that there are a lot of things that you just cannot plan for. And it's about remaining dynamic through that process. Just to come back to the court case, Charlie, if that's okay, you you helped set up the Supreme Court. Yeah, and the Supreme Court has become this very identifiable endpoint for great legal challenges. And if uh, it had been before the Supreme Court was set up, it would have happened in some subcommittee room in the middle of the Houses of Parliament. People wouldn't quite understand why the House of Lords were resolving these things when you thought it was the courts. Now you've got this building dead across from Parliament. Optically, it's it's um, uh, very, very good. I think it's more important than that, that now. I, mean, I rather disagree with what Paul and you're both saying because I think... Um, Tory moderates, do they think Boris is a sort of careful, legalistically minded guy? I don't think they do. So all this sort of blundering, which is going on, coming up against the courts, ending up with a with a with a Brexit bill he didn't want. I mean, but this, well, this is exactly, that, that, this that, is exactly that, why they, that they rein back on the criticism, the potential criticism. Of but judges, it doesn't because they know because they know actually we value you know essentially Tories do value institutions, and that is also why um, you know being seen even in in uh, journalese terms to, to have lied to the Queen is something that we find a little bit distasteful. Well, I think, we love our institutions. I think lying to the Queen is bad wherever you are. But I mean. <laughs> You're talking, as I understood it, about moderate Tories in the country. And the idea that this is changing their view about Boris seems to me to be unlikely. I think the key thing that is happening at the moment is that Boris is suddenly finding himself, and I don't know whether this is deliberate or whether it's just a series of blunders, but he's getting very badly trapped now between either asking for an extension or doing a deal. He's got to do one or the other. The extension really messes him up with the Brexit UK voters, 
The deal causes him big problems in Parliament. But much more significantly, either one of those involves him as a populist with the bubble being burst. So the stupidity of his tactical blunders has left him in a position where his whole under underlying strategy is now at risk. Because his underlying strategy, as I understood it, was let's bring Brexit UK and the Tories together that you know we'll lose the moderates, but not very many, and we'll win by being the biggest force on the playing field. But now, because he's blundered it all so badly, he's got to make choices that are going to ruin his popular stance, and that is going to be the key thing that's going to be played out over the autumn. I'm not, I'm not sure. I actually don't. I don't think that's true because if you if you take that as the given that he's taking a populist approach to this, then actually there is a very good argument that says Jeremy Corbyn's Labour has frustrated Brexit and Parliament has frustrated Brexit. Look at me. I tried, guys. I really, really tried. And if you end up with an election in that scenario, actually that Leave vote might come together to support him. There are other elements that actually make this better for him. And Quite frankly, Labour's inability to come up with a big sort of strategic political sell for themselves and a position that corners him in in, in campaign terms is actually to his benefit. I just I well, don't I'm, I don't, not, I don't not, see that it's totally lost for him. I'm sure it's not totally lost for him. But what you and Paul were both saying, which seems to me to be wrong, is that the real danger for him here is with moderate Tories. That is wrong, I think, because they're they've already got a view about him. Sacking the 21 sort of Winston Churchill's grandchildren was much, much worse for him than these blunders, which is what everybody would have thought yeah, about him so, anyway. Even the soft Tories hate Corbyn more. I'm sure that's right. But that's my point. That's you not, see, that's think... not, that, well, what's the point you're making then about these blunders? Well, the, the point that I'm making, well, actually, the point that I'm making about these blunders is that there is no way that they could have gamed everything. They know roughly where well, they want to end up. Possibly whether they get an election, they might have gamed. Possibly whether or not this act was going to yeah, be passed. Every, and those are the two things they've missed out but on. But isn't there the danger that they'll just do what they did in 2017? A lot of these voters who were unhappy with Theresa May for different reasons, they'll just stay at home. Exactly. And isn't that the real and, danger? And that's, the, that's, and that's the, why I mentioned the Tory moderates, because actually they're in Tory Labour marginals, they will matter. In those tight marginals, if you get a reduction in the turnout for those Tory voters, it could swing things. Yeah, and they're b- both Corbyn and Boris are going to have leakage from both ends, to right and to left, in both the Liberal Democrats and to Brexit UK for Jeremy in certain places, Liberal Democrats and Brexit UK for uh, Boris. It's not going to be this simple, but who looks the best of the two of them is probably going to determine the extent of the leakage at both ends. It's very difficult to predict this election, it seems to me. And I think that the key thing that is happening at the moment, yes, lying to the Queen is a terrible, and it genuinely is a terrible thing to do. And there are all these problems. He's created himself. He does look very incompetent. Cummings is sort of, does not look this magical giant strategist that he appeared to look. But who's going to look like the one best able to bring order? Neither of them look strong on bringing order. And it's that question, particularly in relation to whether or not Boris is going to be forced into a series of climb downs, which is really going to cost him votes in the election, I think. Because ultimately, what did we think we were going to get from Boris? Something that was going to crack through all this. And if it's just, sorry, I said I wouldn't ask this extension. OK, the cabinet secretary's asked for it, but I never asked for it. But we've actually asked for it. All of that.
We'll come on to that in a sec, but just, just one more thing on the court cases. What did you make of the government's reaction, which um, in a number 10 source quote yesterday and then from Quasi Quarting, as you mentioned, seems to call into question the impartiality of the Scottish I mean, it judges? Was, it was, I mean, it was absolutely the same mistake that Theresa May made when the divisional court reached their final, which was the first time Miller won before she went to the Supreme Court. By the time uh, it got to the Supreme Court with Miller number one, May had got her act together and did not attack the judges, even though they were against her in the Supreme Court more significantly than they had been in the divisional court. Like a bunch of blundering oafs, early in the morning, they begin to attack the Scottish Court of Appeal. Kwarteng is obviously not steered away from it. He, what a stupid, silly remark to make from somebody who is as part of their team, big brain box, and he's just a total idiot. Is it because he's told to be that by uh, the people in number 10, or is it because he doesn't know any better? But they just look so awful. And now, in headlong retreat, the Lord Chancellor tweets saying the judges are absolutely marvellous. Boris tweets the judges are absolutely marvellous. They just look useless. That is the problem with the Tory government at the moment. Don't sugar the pills, say what you think. <laughs> <laughs> but Salma, is, is, it, is it this kind of Trumpian thing of, of saying one thing to one group of people and one thing to another group of people? No, before you answer that, it is not. It is they are useless. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, not, I'm not saying that in a party political it's way. It's all I'm, part of the cunning plan. <laughs> classic Dom. Yeah. But isn't that the danger though? I think we're underestimating the fact that actually out there, and this is what, what Cummings would com- constantly say, is that out there, people have for a long time felt that Brexit they voted for is not being delivered. It's all their fault in Westminster. Why can't they just get on with it? No, they, 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 just bear me out on this. And that's the perception on the doorstep. Whether even some Remain voters, not just Leave voters, why don't they just get on with it? Yeah. And thinking that everyone is there is sort of messing things up. And here comes Boris, new figure, who's pledged to do things. That's his main asset as a new prime minister. I'm going to do things. I'm not just going to delay. He keeps saying it. I'm not a ditherer. I'm a doer. And if he, if he can somehow blame Parliament for the continued dithering rather than himself, that's possible. But the other you point... Might be right. The other point is that it may well be, and we can come on to this, his way out of it is either to resign... Or and, and maintain some integrity, or to go down the judicial route. And the judicial route, it will be can talk about. It could be really interesting. That could be his get out of jail card on this. The Economist is the smart guide to the forces impacting your world. And if you've never stopped asking questions, get your free copy now by texting Huff to seven eight zero seven zero. The Economist is about a lot more than economics and finance covering science, the arts and environment alongside world politics and business. It helps you cut through the noise, focusing on the essential information that tells the real story from a trusted source of intelligence for over 170 years. Just this week, I enjoyed reading about Fight Club's influence 20 years on from its release in the Prospero blog. And if you're also the type that never stops asking questions, you can now get your free print copy with Commons People. Just text HUFF to 78070 and enjoy your own smart guide to the forces changing your world. Johnson appears to have alighted on at least a short-term strategy to try and get out of the Brexit straitjacket imposed on him by MPs, and it's quite simple, get a deal. 
Um, the solution the PM seems to be moving towards is something that looks like the backstop he hates so much, but applying only to Northern Ireland. The DUP appear in a mood to compromise, but are insisting the idea is not a backstop. Let's hear their MP, Geoffrey Donaldson. That is correct. What the Prime Minister is, is considering is uh, alternative arrangements to the backstop. Um, and uh, so to replace the backstop with new arrangements. So this won't be a question of a UK backstop or a Northern Ireland-only backstop. It will be replacing the backstop with new arrangements that uh, recognise the circumstances of Northern Ireland having a land border with the Irish Republic, trading across that border on a daily basis. But don't separate us from Great Britain, which have, of course, still by far our biggest market. Paul, is Boris Johnson going to get a Brexit deal and is it going to look quite similar to the old Brexit deal? Well, we're faced with the same problem as Theresa May faced, you know, the the laws of political gravity in Brussels, in Dublin, in Belfast. Um, And they haven't really changed, have they? Um, And certainly as part of the EU's on the part of the EU, yes, of course, they're trying to engage a bit more. They're, you know, they're not nuts. They don't want no deal. But how much are they going to sacrifice on behalf of, of Dublin in terms of a long-term guarantee for Northern Ireland? I mean, it looks, I don't know, it, let's say at best, it, what they're trying to do is look as though they're engaging. Um, however, it gets interesting with the Tory party and the DUP. The DUP language, you just heard there, Geoffrey Donaldson, I was on that programme with him on World at One, and I was really struck by how emollient, how accommodating he was. And he is part of that bit of the bulk of the DUP MPs, don't forget, are kind of pragmatists. There's two of them, Sammy Wilson and and who's the other one? Ian Paisley, who are really the, on the really, really hard Brexit end of it. People like Donaldson, people like Dodds, even people, certainly people like Arlene Foster. They come from a tradition where actually they're not as hardline on Brexit. They can be amenable to a deal. And you can see that Johnson has built up his, his contacts. He's sort of hugged them close to DUP and it's kind of working. So the fact that they had this meeting at number 10 this week and the fact that Arlene Foster didn't stride out and say this is outrageous tells you something. Something's going on. The question is, is the something enough for Brussels and Dublin? And it might be. But then we come on to this whole issue of the Spartans and, you know, Boris has famously said this week that, you know, if to a Remainer MP, if anyone stabs me in the back with a spear, it'll be the Spartans, not mm. you guys. And I, I've heard on the grapevine that people like Steve Baker are ripe for walking out and going to the Brexit party. They could have their very first MP. Oh, that's now, very interesting. that would be interesting um, because he's so dead against any kind of withdrawal agreement. Now, I think in a strange way that would help Boris. Yeah, they'd have one MP, but only one MP. And in, in the meantime, if he can get a deal through, what's the great prize for Johnson? I delivered Brexit. And I think a lot in the country, a lot of the angst will fall away. Uh, Salma, Johnson, through the chief whip, has been making overtures to these uh, remainery sacked 21 rebels, suggesting they might have a way back into the party. And at the same time, he's also briefing, or we're hearing little suggestions that he could sack the Spartans if they don't vote for a deal that he brings back. But if he lets the rebels back in, then how does that threat work? How is he going to balance those two competing interests? Well, I think this is, um, it's linear, isn't it? So he made his decision. It was, I think, a miscalculation uh, and he shouldn't have done it. He's trying to bring them back by saying, you know, you're going to help me get this deal. So he's facing the political reality of it. And to be honest with you, when you have political realities like that, you don't necessarily need to make everything work and it all be equal. 
I think the ERG point is very interesting because that is the dog that hasn't barked yet. And it was the ERG that effectively held Theresa May's government to ransom. And, you know, as we've all said, and it's a bit of a cliche now, we would have had Brexit by now had they not voted against it. Um, The ERG, I think, was very closely linked with the DUP. And so you're right, with the DUP seeming like they are happier with what Boris may potentially bring back from the EU Commission, um, if he manages to bring something back before October the 19th, means that perhaps the ERG won't necessarily as a group, work against Johnson. And now that they have their own in cabinet as well, you know, Priti Patel, um, Jacob Rees-Mogg, um, they might think again about um, wanting to bring down that government. So it feels like it's moving in the right direction to be able to get a deal. How he rationalises the way that he's going to treat those two groups... I think sort of depends on the mood of, of what's happening there and how much intelligence they get about any ERG defectors anyway and whether he's a, he, he's going to have the power to be really hard line with a couple of them because he knows he's secured the rest. And you can bank on those 21 coming back, let's be honest. Yeah. All they want is a deal. Yeah. You know, that's why they walked. They want a deal. And if he somehow delivers a deal, they'll all come back. Yeah. And, and, he, and, and the smart thing would be then say, yeah, OK, we'll let you back. We'll have, like, you have the but is, whip. Isn't, isn't this the disaster... I referred to earlier on, you end up begging 13 of the 21 to come back to try to get your majority for a deal. I don't know if you recall the Northern Ireland only backstop, which was May's first shot at a backstop, which quite quickly Corbyn, Starmer and May all agreed no Prime Minister of the United Kingdom could agree to. It's that backstop he's currently negotiating. You're absolutely right. It would be easier if the DUP backed it. And indeed, I understand the position to be that Arlene Foster back in Northern Ireland was never as hard line about the backstops as uh, Sammy Wilson and Ian Paisley Jr. were in Westminster. But they've got to eat a hell of a lot of uh, humble pie in order to get to that backstop if they've got Steve Baker joining the Brexit UK party and a number of other ERG people leaving, then Boris's claim, and this has been key to his strategy as being the friend of the Brexit UK parties, going to look a bit in tatters. He will then depend upon Labour MPs to get it through. He may well get it through on that basis, but with cries of betrayal in the air, the populist compromised. He then has the general election. Who wins? Does he manage if Steve Baker and his crew join Brexit UK with a number of Spartans supporting him? Farage saying it's May worse because it's the betrayal of the union that's taking place. I don't know. But if I was ending up with that deal to sell in a general election, I would certainly not have started where Cummings and Johnson started from, because their headlong retreat that they are currently engaged in from sacking the 21, saying I'll never send uh, the notice, saying that I may well not get a deal, all of that is just going up in smoke. And he just looks as if he hasn't thought for one moment either about the detail or the bigger strategy. But isn't that the point, that the detail in a strange way doesn't matter to the voters? And that the, the only detail, the only thing that matters 
is delivering Brexit. And if, yeah, he'll make loads of compromises. And he'll then emerge as some sort of great titan of a compromise and say, actually, I delivered this deal through a combination of determination and compromise, the two best assets you and, can have in a prime minister. And, actually, and I deliver Brexit. And surely that's the only fact that matters in an election. Brexit. Exactly. And, and what, so why was he not going for a deal straight away? Because well, he I, always said he was. Yeah, he? He, he, he did say he, he was. He'd, why? He'd why? Why that he was. tack so far Look, to the made, right? And then he's made tack. errors why, on why the way. Why litter definitely. the horizon with um, humble pie eatings all over the shop? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but the, I, I think this what an is, image. Uh, <laughs> he's very busy. But he doesn't mind what he said. No, he, no, none of it seems to Boris. Like it is eating humpy. Like, oh, well, I said a million to one chance of not having a deal one week. And then the next week I said 50-50. You know that I don't mean quite what I say and I've got charm enough to get through it. That is, that's lovely as long as it's just a social encounter with Boris. The extent to which that will continue to play when people begin to rely on what he says, I don't know. Go on, Salma, cut you off there, sorry. All I was going to say, that this idea that somehow there is one clean plan that they're working towards well, behind the scenes. Definitely. No plan, no clean. Nonsense. I agree. Yeah. And the, a dirty plan? A plan even, at all? Even, even, even. What's the plan? Even, even taking one step forward means in this scenario. 25 back. 25 back. <laughs> and it doesn't matter whether it's Boris What's doing the plan? it. If the, if the Labour Party were in government, they would be facing the same issues. No, I don't think so. They have terrible problems with everybody, but they would not have ended up banging up against the courts and banging up they against would have, they would have They would have ended up with the same issues in yes. terms of the fact that they have no majority, yeah. that they have a ratified deal that can't go through Parliament, and that you are stuck in a situation with no Northern Irish Assembly and a confidence... Let's assume they have a confidence and supply deal with another party. Well, no, I don't think... So, that, so, none of that... I just disagree with most of that, because why have we ended up with this very hung Parliament? Because of Theresa May's election. In 2017. Exactly. I'm saying if you, if we you, wouldn't if have done you were that. to compare, if the Labour Party were in this <laughs> I think it's very difficult. If, yeah, right, that's if, a different scenario. If the Labour Party if we were got in ourselves this into position. the And it might be, if there is under no confidence and Labour does somehow come yeah, They might well be in this position. In a few weeks' time, well, we could we, be in this position, couldn't we? Yeah. Um, but if, if, if Boris holds up the white flag over Downing Street, which seems to Can you imagine a position where it could be sensible? for the Conservative Prime Minister to say, OK, you take over to Jeremy Corbyn. Now, uh, yeah, Charlie, uh, I wanted to ask you about this, actually, the, <laughs> yes. the, 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 the other ways that Johnson can get out of yeah, his straitjacket. Yeah. So one way is to get a deal. Another way is to try and get around the legislation which says he has to ask for an extension yeah. if he hasn't got a deal. We've heard some slightly off-the-wall ideas like sending a, a second letter along with the letter requesting an Article 50 extension is there any way of getting around that legislation? Well, as to the sender company letter saying I don't really want it, yeah. I mean, by and large, if an act of parliament imposes a duty on the government, then the courts are quite astute to say, if we tell you to do something, you've got to do it. You can't pretend to do it. I've heard that was one of five options okay. that are currently are being the, considered the other in Downing Street, and that was on the... Was Royal Assent not that was given on one the, of them? the crazy end, I think. Royal uh, Assent well, not given? One of them, one. obviously, and, and this is really important, is Dominic Raab has hinted at this publicly. He wants to test the law, which is quite unusual for cabinet okay, ministers to say that. Now, on. Charlie, let's walk through this. Yes. What does that mean? Could it, can the government bring a judicial review on its own a law that Parliament's passed? No, it can can't. It, could it have to wait for someone else, a backbencher, to bring a, a judicial review and then encourage it? Because the, what I'm hearing from within government is this is a real runner. 
a real runner as the only way out for Boris to avoid well, the chaos? The, 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 assume that the Act requires him to send the notice, assume no deal on the 19th of October. If he doesn't send the notice, then somebody will immediately begin enforcement proceedings against him the next day. What the court will then say to the government is, is there any reason why you haven't sent this notice? And at the moment, I'm completely bereft of any answer they could give. They're not going to say, we have sent the notice, but we've sent another equally devilish letter, which says that that'll they'll get... Complete. No, they'll say that they, the law is flawed and now, is open to just, challenge. OK, they? that's absolutely fine. Paul will say, Paul, assume of the Prime Minister, how is it flawed? Yeah. So when Dominic Raab says we want to test it, yeah. you've got to have something to test it with. Yeah. So what is it? I don't know. But there's, there's nothing. Is there's there an argument nothing. on well, the Well, there is an argument. They, they, they talk what about, is the argument? They, 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 I've heard them talk about the idea that it's well, certainly unprecedented whether or not it's it, it's – there's any legal case law on this, I don't know. Or any law. But, just or any law. Just but give the, the point. The, give argu- us the, point, the argument Paul. is that yeah. you cannot bind a Prime Minister's hands when it comes to negotiating an international treaty. Could I tell you? And, and because they the say, that. say that is total, utter, and complete rubbish. <laughs> I thought we were going to say all hogwash there for a minute. All, all, all <laughs> that the, the judge will say, well, okay, look, so send the letter. You can legislate for anything, including sending a letter. This absolute crap. That is, I mean, how do you journalists put up with this low-class, really low-class garbage from the government? Is that the argument that they are telling? And no wonder you're so embarrassed about <laughs> passing it on. Is that what Dominic Raab is saying? Uh, he's not saying it directly. But the well, people, indirectly, the, the is people got within government who have got who are suggesting... Are Dominic Raab's special advisers, the foreign secretary, former government not, lawyer no. himself saying that? That's not come from him, no. no. But, or anybody on, on his behalf. But he, this is floating in the air. That actually, that they think... Floating, unattached they, to they, they, they think they could challenge it in <laughs> the courts. Paul, this is such, this is such <laughs> awfulness. This is so on the grapevine. God-awful stuff. Can I just ask, what do you actually want to see as an outcome? A deal. And I want to see a deal, and I think it's really good the way that Boris has now been forced desperately to try to get a deal to avoid the humiliation. Because it's really interesting to talk to Paul. There's nothing that the government have got to stop sending the letter. He's utterly humiliated because he's dug himself, himself so deeply in. You are right to say, don't focus on the Westminster bubble. It's the bigger picture. But ultimately, if you throw enough stones into the water, eventually they begin to poke up over the surface. And the sort of hopelessness of Boris saying day after and he said it again on Monday I will not send this letter and he is going to be revealed as a total two-faced charlatan if he does have to send the letter you're, the assuming, you're assuming they haven't assessed this risk already I mean they know oh, they, they know Salma. this they would, know this themselves I'm no, just going to bring some you're so wrong <laughs> Boris says no, things the whole time we're drifting guys no, guys no, love saying you're wrong in. I like that. this is, <laughs> no, this is people a feisty that. podcast the feistiest <laughs> one I've been on quick one Charlie very quickly if you, were, if you were if you were no 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 not yeah. yet if you were in the commons would you be like your Labour colleagues Stephen Kinnock and Caroline Flint and back the deal Johnson brings back? Well, it depends what deal it is, but yes, I would be strongly in favour of backing the deal. I think we've got to leave the European Union. It's the area where, as it were, the progressive end of politics is at its weakest because if you keep on resisting and, for example, saying there should be a second referendum, that is an area where 
people who would naturally support a progressive line in politics would agree with quite a lot of the people who are in favour of leaving. We'll come on to that. Salma, could Boris just actually request a delay? To? Brexit. You mean ex- to well, yes, extension? Yeah. I, I think the only way that he could possibly take the extension is if it was uh, as a result of a deal. I just need this little bit of extra time to get the withdrawal agreement through and then we start well, well, can the I, transition can I, can, period. What do you then. mean? He's forced to ask the extension. The, we're told the European Union will accept it. So what then? Assume he hasn't got a deal. He can quit, well, She's assuming he? he has got a deal. I, 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 oh, if I, he has I, got I, a deal, there's no yeah, problem, yeah. obviously. Yes. No, but just time act, for the legislation. Yeah. If he, if he, then, but I think if that he does would, have a deal, yeah. then yeah. That, I think that's the only uh, way that he can Otherwise. willingly ask and then for what? an extension. Assume he doesn't get a deal. Well, then he has to comply with the legislation. And then but, the op- yeah. but the optics then, of it are different. And then what yeah. happens to him? Well, he, he looks like he's it. been forced, doesn't he? But okay, but let's. Yeah, but, but you're but you're but you're assuming that in a vacuum. You know, he he yes, your the Labour Party will make it look like he's he's been forced. Mm. He's going to make it look like Parliament's forced him into a position. I mean, this is the whole game of politics, isn't it? You know, who's he said, she said, and whichever one of the But I think what Charlie has just out, said was interesting because it wasn't the Labour Party position. As you say, you'd expect Labour to be making hay with the Tories and Johnson facing a hurricane of bad news this month. But the party splits on Brexit burst open again this week at the TUC conference. Deputy leader Tom Watson criticised Jeremy Corbyn's Brexit strategy and called for a second referendum before any election. Let's hear Watson's reasoning. But there eventually comes a point, and we are very far past it now, when circumstances are so changed, when so much new information has emerged, when so many people now feel differently. There comes a point when you have to say, actually... No. That year's old plebiscite is no longer a valid basis on which to take such a momentous decision about the future of the United Kingdom. The only proper way to proceed in such circumstances is to consult the people again in a referendum with a credible option to leave and remain on the ballot paper. Charlie, you've just said a second referendum's a bad idea and we should back a deal. Why? I mean, my party is very strongly in favour, the membership, of there being a second referendum. I am strongly against a second referendum because I think it won't solve any problems. If it's leave, then we get further apart from Europe, which is what we don't want in the Labour Party. If it's remain, then that's just opening the door to a third referendum and you end up with, I think, British politics moving very sharply to the right. You absolutely supercharge Farage and UK Brexit. And I think if there was a second round, I don't know what the result would be, but you'd end up with the Conservatives saying, vote leave, and you'd have a betrayal sense among quite a lot of people who had voted remain previously. So those two factors make me think it's going to be worse rather than better for the remain side than previously. So I think we've got a we've got to sort of deal with the fact we lost, we have to leave in a meaningful way. And Although she was sneered at for this, Mrs May was... She, there was something behind what she was saying. which said, Brexit's got to mean Brexit. It can't be, OK, we're pretending to leave, but everything remains the same. We have to get out. We have to, we have to stick with the level playing field issues that she, Mrs May, agreed in the deal. We should do the other things that Stephen and Caroline have referred to in the amendment to the bill by referring to the withdrawal bill that Mrs May produced, which turned out to be, as it happened, the final bit of her death warrant, which had been quite well written before. But I think, I think 
the problem that Labour faces is that we, our pool is Remain voters. So we've got to be more Remainy than perhaps we should be and I would like to be. That's interesting because actually, Charlie, I mean, there's, there's a lot of people who say that um, the hard facts of the polling show that um, the p- party shouldn't be afraid of being pro-Remain because even in those seats, those working class seats, those marginal seats, a majority of Labour voters, more than the majority... 60% or more, 70% in some cases, are pro-Remain. And, and that it's a myth that there's this hardcore of Labour Leave voters who somehow are all going to flock to the Tories and lose these seats. Apparently just the numbers aren't there. That's what pollsters like Rob Ford in Manchester and others yeah. have, have said. I agree with um, you. So that's electorally. But you're not arguing electorally, I no, get I'm that. Not. You're arguing from a point of principle. But, I, I, I'm, but I'm also, I've got a longer term view. The, how, how do we avoid a sort of fragmentation of the Labour Party where we lose to the Lib Dems and to Brexit, or the Lib Dems and Brexit UK, answer, there has to be a means of making the coalition that is Labour worthwhile again. The only way you get there is by getting through Brexit. If the next 12 months are going to be about should there be a second referendum, which it might well be if Boris doesn't get a deal, there is an extension initially till January and then maybe on to the middle of next year, then you will see the fragmentation gets worse and worse and we will cease to be the engine for social change that we've always been in the past because ultimately we'll divide between Labour, Brexit UK or whatever the right-wing vehicle is because if there is a, if there is a, a year's delay, Brexit UK will go shooting up in the polls, I think. And then the Liberal Dems on the other end, because Brexit becomes the defining issue about how you vote. So I think bring that to an end and let us get back onto strong ground, which interestingly, I suspect for different reasons, but interestingly is the position not of Tom Watson, who would be, as it were, more my natural ally, but it is, for different reasons, the position of the leader of the Labour Party, who is who is in the say, I, I suspect, although he is being forced to speak much more about a referendum than perhaps he would like, he is much more instinctively in favour of doing a deal and moving on. I think that's absolutely right. And I think the really interesting question in politics right now is where is Jeremy Corbyn's head on Brexit? And we know all his history. We know he's a lifelong Eurosceptic. But the, the battle that's always been going on over the last 12, 18 months has been between him listening on one shoulder to Carrie Murphy and Len McCluskey and that side of the party, the Legziteers, who say we cannot betray our working class votes. It's a question of working class votes. And then the other other shoulder, you've got Keir Starmer and John McDonnell, crucially John McDonnell, saying, actually, we've got to be pragmatic. We need a Labour government. This might be a route to Labour government. I want to be a Labour chancellor. Let's let the, the way through there might be through a referendum. And so then the interesting question is, as Charlie's just demonstrated quite eloquently, there are other people from a different tradition who were saying, actually, Carrie Murphy and McCluskey might be right, but for different reasons. Exactly. And I don't start from the Lexit proposition, which is the proposition from which uh, uh, Jeremy and John would have started, but nor do I swing over to the position where you've got a party, the Labour Party, very remain amongst its activists that have moved to the referendum position, obviously as a means of, of trying to stay within the European Union. The country and 
who am I to say where the country is? But as a political way forward, it's neither the PVers nor the no-dealers who are going to be the people who can unify the country going forward. It's got to be somebody who delivers on the referendum but then has a progressive way forward. Boris is trying to do it from the no-deal right-wing position and then lurch over to a progressive position. But he's making such a mess of the trying-to-get-out bit of it that nobody whose votes he needs who wouldn't otherwise vote Tory will now vote for him. He is in a... I mean, you're being quite... You're being... You're being too mature, you two. You're saying, oh, well, I'm not going to be very interested in all the detail that's going on of what, what's happening in Westminster. It's all about the bigger picture, is what you're saying, because you're mature well, and strategic. Voters, no, no, we've been yeah, too the classic that. That's what you're saying. Well, you're, you're not taking into account the extent to which Boris comes at this on the basis quite significant numbers of the politics. Oh, well, he, he could do it. He's a most interesting creature. He's not like normal politicians. He's sort of rather like Mr. Trump. He might well be sort of people who can crack through us. Those same people all think, I know people say he's sort of mad, shambolic sort of showman who's deeply unreliable, who can't do anything. But I wonder if he's this Trump figure. And the picture that is emerging, and it's emerging much more quickly than it was thought, is of a hopeless, shambolic non-deliver. And remember, but, Mrs. Wait, Mrs. May started as the mother of the nation. Everybody thought she was the right choice. And she collapsed effectively in a five-week period during the 2017 election. You can go very quickly. And we are having, at the moment, a period of politics so intense, so much more intense than a general election because of the 31st of October deadline. And do not underestimate the extent to which Boris's reputation, I'm not saying this is happening, but it feels to me like we're moving quite smartly to a position where the public may form a view about Boris like they formed a view about Theresa May and they formed a view about Jeremy Corbyn. Salma, the other side of this, I think, is... A lot of people will look at Labour and go, they haven't sorted out a Brexit position. And at least Boris Johnson is clear he wants to get out. Clear? Clear? Yes, I think that's probably right. And I and, you know, actually, we don't are you, your assessment there is is perfect. We know that general election campaigns and everything that's happened just before them have a really big impact on the way people think. 2017 absolutely showed that. I think what's interesting about the Labour Party position is that because they cannot decide how they want to progress, they are failing to make the big political arguments against a Conservative government. And that is the thing that ultimately has stopped them from actually getting rid of this Conservative government. They can't unify around a certain position. They can't actually, they can't... Without I'm very interested what you just, what in one line is the big argument against the Conservative government? If I were Labour, I would go back on what they were successful at in 2017, which is the seemingly austerity message. But why, why is the position not at the moment that the Conservatives hold up the white flag on that? What do you mean? Well, uh, austerity was a really effective tool in the 2017 election for Jeremy. Mrs May... In, and this is, I mean, I'm, I'm, I have respect for Mrs. May, but in a quite politically inept way. You mean we just turn the spending taps on? 
well, no, in you, advance you, of a general you, election. You, you look now like you are both against austerity, austerity and deeply irresponsible in expenditure. And that, that's what's in the ether. With the, 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 the bung to the DUP was, was sort of fatal to the, to the prudent stuff. And then I understand the position to be that your former employer has indeed said austerity is now over. And so why have the anti-austerity, the, the, the sort of late convert to being against austerity when you can have Labour who genuinely have been you against can't spend Exactly. So, so that, that, that argument's been won already. And that's what the public think, I think. Yes, but it hasn't translated into electoral seats. And at this, at, this, at this point, if, if, if we're talking about Brexit being delivered, actually there is uh, an advantage to Labour, which is why I never understood why Corbyn couldn't actually just get the party together and vote for the Brexit deal through. Because once the general election happens, he's in a much stronger position. So... That's my, a very good point. Actually, my my, my yeah. point is, from Corbyn's point of view, that from would have been point really, of view, it was it yeah. was really the sensible thing to do to whip in favour. They weren't. Of the there's deal. nothing actually in the deal that they that they obje- they, they, they now objecting. say that there's nothing in the withdrawal agreement yeah. at all. They disagree with. I mean, the reason I think politically why Jeremy didn't do that was because he knows his party is very very strongly Remain. He knows the Remainer vote. Those who want to remain are those who be much more angry than the Leavers who are disappointed. So he was very unwilling to appear to facilitate a Brexit deal. That's why he voted. And I think maybe... No, underlying- no, no, no I, I'm, not, I'm not entirely sure it was that principled. I think it was kind of like, let's just have maximum chaos for the fact that Theresa mm. May looks really weak. And it was a very cynical political decision to well, do that. But actually, in the, long, the longer-term strategy that would have been much more beneficial to him is voted for the deal and then hit the Tories where it actually hurt. So you can turn the spending taps on now if you choose to. You can have an emergency budget and you can turn the spending taps on. The, the trickle-down effect of that won't be felt for at least an another, what, three years if you had, you know, really a, a real big push on public spending. So he is in a prime position to make that 2017... Yeah, yes, forgive me, Jeremy Corbyn. He's in a prime position to make that 2017 argument that he, you're right, he won um, much more electorally Yeah, I agree palatable. with that, I agree with that, yeah. Right, we need to move on. It's time for the quiz. We could be oh, here forever. We could be here forever. <laughs> this week's quiz is all about politicians or politics in court. Oh, so question number oh, one, no. just there's no formula to this, just sort of buzz in with the answer or I might go round, take it one by one. Um, which current cabinet minister lost a battle with the information commissioner about the publication of emails from a private account? Oh, Michael, Michael Gove. Gove, yeah. Ah, yeah. Oh, Charlie, you've all got... Charlie I think got, you've got, got it right. Oh, is it, is it, is it, we're not going to go round. We're going no, we'll I'll, 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 right. I'll give a bonus point for anyone who can say what the account was called. Mrs. Blurt. Yes. Oh, well, damn. Well, good. Yeah. Uh, it was an account nerdy. used by Gove to discuss government business with his advisors at the Department for Education, which included... Dominic Cummings. Correct. Question number two. Which Tory MP this year pleaded guilty to two charges of making false expense claims? The man in Brecon and Radnorshire. Ah, but what's his name? Davis. Bad, uh, just no, 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 I'm not, no, I'm not saying that because he's Welsh. Ian he was Davis. called Davis. Oh, what David was, Davis. No, Ian Davis. No, James yeah, it was, Davis. It was Stop it! You're putting everyone off. Chris Davis. It was Chris Davis. Chris uh, Davis. Uh, no one, no one gets a point for that. No, yeah. Can you take a point off Faulkner for putting everyone else off? <laughs> yeah, I'll <laughs> yeah. right. oh, oh, happily do that. Yeah. Right. So what we no on? points now. Deduct. Paul got the bonus, so it's two one zero at the moment. So uh, you can't win, Charlie. Now so, uh, there, might be, there might be bonus points on offer. I don't know. We'll just decide at the time. 
Um, well, I get nothing for saying it was Brecken and Radnicek. No. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> was, it's not your quiz. <laughs> I said who was the MP, not was, what was his constituency. Yeah, that's fair enough. That's right. um, in 2013, Chris Hewn and ex-wife Vicky Price were jailed after the minister asked her to take his speeding points. But how long were the sentences? Ooh, Six months? No. Three Two months? years? No. It was Nine quite months. short. She was out pretty quickly. 12 months? 13 months? Is I that an inflection? Nine months. 14 months. Yeah, you were... That's too many answers. You're disqualified right. from this <laughs> question. <laughs> you can have one more go each. What, there aren't that much variety of sentences. I it's guess either six not. or twelve, isn't it? I mean, or, two. or nine. It's, it's a minor offence. Eight months. Oh, oh I wouldn't Eight. have got that. Unfortunately, that's all we have time oh. for this week. Thank you to my guests. That's not, that's... It was a very feisty podcast. <laughs> it was. Uh, and make sure you subscribe to Commons People on all the usual channels so you can catch us and every like Thursday. And like us on iTunes. Make sure you do that. It's I think really that's important. the same thing, but yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and get your daily dose of the latest politics news by signing up to the Warzone newsletter at bit. Now in the evenings. Yeah, it, you can find it at bit.ly forward slash war hyphen zone or follow the link in the episode notes. Uh, there was one big story we haven't had time to talk about this week, and that is Common Speaker John Burko's decision to stand down from his chair as Speaker. Um, we'll just leave you with him scolding a Tory whip after he suggested the Speaker was wrong to grant an emergency debate on the release of the No Deal papers. Don't tell me, young man, from a sedentary position, what I can and can't say. If you're not interested, leave the chamber. I'm not remotely interested in your petty-fogging objection chanted inelegantly from a sedentary position. The position is as I've described it, and quite frankly, young man, you can like it or lump it.